catching, I'd say Saginaw Valley State. They're the best catching team in the country. They have some insane catchers on their team. So keep an eye out for them when it comes to catching. And then Felix Jacob, do you have uh, any way in on that? Or do you want to let Kevin kind of speak for you guys? I think Kevin's answers are good. Yeah, same. Kevin nailed all. Well, thanks. <laughs> all right. That's the last compliment you get. <laughs> How many more can you rake in? before you Settle start? down there. <laughs> done. We're done. That's never happening again. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be conducting kind of like a precap, for lack of better words, of the NCDA Championships. And uh, joining me are Jacob Lesky, Felix Peroni, and Kevin Bailey. Guys, thank you so much for hopping on and being willing to do this and, and kind of, again, helping me shed more light on the NCDA, if I may be so bold. And um, let's just start with some introductions, uh, starting with you, Jacob. Why don't you just go ahead and give us your, your name, your role with the NCDA, um, your elite team, if it's applicable, and your NCDA team. Uh, hey, so uh, thanks for having me. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm in charge of uh, recruitment and retention for the NCDA. So essentially, my job is to find new schools and help them through the process. Um, it's actually a lot more intense than people realize. We'll get into that later. And then... Um, in terms of elite team, I played for the Columbus Gamecocks in my third season, and then NCAA, I was uh, I played for the these uh, for Central Michigan University. Nice. Okay, and uh, Felix. Hey, uh, I'm Felix Peroni. I'm the president of the NCDA. I'm on my second term. Um, this will be my last term for our bylaws, so uh, my reign will end June 30th. Um, I've been with the NCDA since 2008 and an administrative role since about 2010. Um, I'm with the Columbus Gamecocks for Elite. And then for the NCDA, I was at Western Kentucky University from 2008 to 2014 when I was getting my bachelor's and master's. Which you totally changed to benefit the NCDA, right? Oh, yeah, People definitely. remember from our conversation last year. I'll kind of get into that too, just kind of uh, to get into that. But um, last but not least, Kevin? Yeah, my name is Kevin Bailey, and yeah, thank you for having us on here. We appreciate it. Uh, and I'm the chief of content for the NCDA, so uh, what I'm in charge of is all the content that goes on our website, on our social media channels, and uh, we've got some exciting new things coming up uh, that we'll talk about later uh, involving our, our live streaming for nationals. So uh, in my elite team, I'm on Grand Rapids Dynasty, and back when I was in college, I played at Grand Valley State University. Grand Rapids Dynasty. Never heard of them. They're... <laughs> yeah, they're a bunch of scrubs. <laughs> yeah. Nobody so, likes them. Yeah, they're, they're terrible people. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if you guys heard the recap of uh, North, but uh, I guess you guys were cheered when uh, when you guys lost um, the 8.5 division. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, we are well aware of that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, are there any uh, are there any hard feelings about that? Just to, I mean, it sucks when you're being uh, cheered against, but uh, I mean. I think it's a really good motivator yeah. um, when a team's when people are kind of cheering against you. It means that uh, they think highly of you, so it's it's a good motivator to try and stay where you're at at the top, I guess, For or sure. get back to the top in this. Oh situation. my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to because you're both on here, um, Felix. I don't know if you're responsible for it, but the 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 condom prank that you played last nationals was legendary that was um 
I, I couldn't you, you mentioned you guys like have like this meme war and you guys like exchange blows and there's like this rivalry but I had no idea um, <laughs> I want to say you'd stoop to that but you'd be that creative um, and I hope in a good way it's it's motivating other teams to kind of share that friendly banter and, and just be more creative um, it was it was hysterical I still can't get over it <laughs> I hope so I, I, I we enjoy doing it because I mean as you know dodgeball is supposed to be fun so we try to keep it lighthearted. a lot of people take it very seriously and we just want to have a good time with our friends and then also with dynasty too so um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good time and I hope it, that's what I mean I hope it's all in good fun no one gets their feelings hurt and it, it just adds another element to the dodgeball community and their competitive aspect it's uh I'm sure the pros do it in, in conventional sports all the time. So um, I just had to shout that out. But um, I want to go back to you, uh, Jacob. Um, so just to kind of give you guys, you guys being the panelists and, and people that might be tuning in for the first time or might have missed the NCDA episode that we covered last year with Kevin and Felix, we kind of gave like a like a crash course slash 101 of the NCDA, kind of talked about where it began, um, kind of where it was back then. And then, uh, Jake, you, you reached out to me, I think, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, asking to kind of talk about um, the championships. And timing just worked out really well that we were able to do so um, right right as we're coming into this weekend with the championships. But um, and I don't want to sound too blunt, but why? Um, why? Like, what was the, the main motivation behind that, if you don't mind asking? I think we have a bad rap. I really do. I think it's that simple. I've, I've noticed in the three years I've played Elite, we kind of have there's a negative connotation with us, and I've never really understood why. And uh, maybe it's because I'm from the North and I'm extremely biased, but I, I understand that this, this is, I don't want to get on a tangent with this whole ball type thing, but I mean, we're all playing dodgeball. I mean, whether what you, what you like or you don't like, it's still the same sport. And I don't know, the fact that the way I look at it is we should all be supporting each other. And it, I find it extremely interesting that no one is interested in the NCDA and I mean, we're the feeders for the future. So why wouldn't you want to back us up? That's been my, that's pretty much my main draw. That's interesting. I, yeah, I wouldn't, um, that caught me off guard. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Um, cause I, the way I look at you guys, um, especially walking away from the, the interview last year and, and just knowing about you guys for, since like my humble beginnings back in 2006, 2004, when I looked you guys up, like I would never assume, uh, the NCDA would have a bad rap of any kind. Um, I kind of want to dig into that, but that might be kind of more towards the end with the crowdsource questions that we received. But um, yeah, so I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys coming on to, to talk about it more. Um, quick question though, uh, for you, Felix, uh, just as I was listening to that, you know, you being part of uh, USA Dodgeball now, I think when we last spoke, it was still kind of new, but obviously it's it's taken off and it's it's been established. Would Would you kind of echo uh, what Jacob was saying, or has there been like a shift in the perception of uh, NCDA? I think it just really goes down to, um, I mean, everybody has their favorite ball type and people who, who don't like pinch, um, they don't really understand the draw to the NCDA. So I, I don't know if it's so much of the us that versus them mentality or, or anything like that, where, where they, they hate us or they, they don't really like us. I think it's more just, they don't really understand why we want to step into the, the gauntlet as it's been called with pinch rubber um, pinch rubber has just always had this, this more extreme connotation. And so uh, we have gotten a lot of support from, from outside, uh, outside uh, outsiders for the NCDA. So like you have been great. Um, 
Tyler Greer has reached out to us a few times asking for some, some additional information. Um, there's been out outreach from the Canadian groups asking for our, our ranking algorithms that we've created for, uh, for season ratings and rankings of teams. Um, I think it's more just where, where there's a lot of dodgeball voices on the West coast and the East coast. Um, the Midwesterners were, were, generally more quiet anyways so i just don't think people know enough about us so that's kind of why i was excited to do this and why i'm so happy that that you are willing to do this and excited to to do this podcast is i just want to be able to introduce people to the ncda on neutral ground tell them a little bit about ourselves our history why we do things the way we do them and um and hopefully clear any ambiguity and make make everyone understand that we love dodgeball just as much as everyone else. We just do it at a different level. Nice. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, we're all, we're all playing dodgeball and I know I like to rag on foam as much as I do being an 8.5, uh, believer myself, but I, I can appreciate always will the fact that dodgeball is still being played in some capacity. So I definitely, uh, echo that. And, um, yeah. before I move on to some of the follow on questions, uh, Kevin, do you kind of share the same sentiment as well or what's your, how has your perception changed over the last year? Um, I, I would kind of echo what Felix said. It Sort of the challenge for us is just uh, getting our format of dodgeball out there and showing people what we're all about as college dodgeball. And I know that it's not something that we've been able to do to, do to our best abilities in the past in terms of uh, the type of video content that we have and just being able to show everyone uh, exactly what our our uh, game is all about. So yeah, I think that that's one of the motivations for why we are here on this podcast. And also um, as we're going to mention later with the exciting uh, news we have with our, our live stream for nationals this year, I think that there are a lot of things that we are doing that's going to really help people see what our actual on-court product is and why college dodgeball is so exciting the way that we have it right now. And uh, see that. See how much passion the student athletes have, and how much they care about the the uh, sport, and just how exciting it is uh, for the students and the fans that are there watching. So, yeah, very exciting time for the NCDA right now because we have a lot of things going uh, in our favor in terms of you know getting our type of dodgeball out there and showing people what we're all about. So, nice. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned something that. Uh... I wanted to kind of go back on, um, I don't want to say I kind of cheated, but I, I kind of studied. I, I listened to the episode that we recorded last year on the way up here. And uh, I just want to go over some of the, like, the, the things that really stood out in my mind in terms of like how established this organization is. So uh, Felix, you had mentioned you guys already have or have had the 501c3 status, which is uh, not an easy feat by any means. It, it takes a lot of time, money, and just knowledge of what you're doing to, to get that, uh, to be a full-fledged nonprofit you mentioned that you had sponsorships um, both in travel and I forgot what what apparel uh, that you had mentioned. Um, yeah, Savage. 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 I wanted to say Supreme. I was like, no, that's not the one. Um, but Savage <laughs> Apparel. And uh, you boasted 52 teams last year and over 800 members. So it's for me to even think that this organization would be overlooked in any capacity is just it's it's wrong. It's it's a it's a sin. Um, there's so much that you guys have accomplished and so much awesome best practices that I think you could share. Um, kind of like what you were saying, uh, I think, Jacob, with um, 
you know, sharing your algorithms and whatnot with Canadian leagues and people that are reaching out. There, there's a lot here that we can benefit. And for me personally, um, I don't want to sound weird, but as an older player, it really, um, it's really motivating for me to see young players come in because I know that when I'm done, the sport's going to continue. It's kind of this like weird, like, I don't want all of my, you know, 12, 13 years of dodgeball playing to end because people stopped playing in 2021. Um, it, w- it would just seem strange if that's what happened, but to see that it's going to continue on after I exit, um, it, it's got a weird kind of sense of like comfort. Um, I don't know if older players can identify with that, but um, it's all of it seems encouraging. You guys play pinch, you guys are crazy, that's fine. Um, you guys can show from my experience last year with nationals that you guys can conform to our 6v6, 8.5 non-pinch rules and do fairly well. So we'll definitely get into that too, but um, uh, I didn't mean to veer off too much. Um, have you guys grown since last year? Um, I'm not sure who could take this one, but kind of talking about the 52 teams last year, has that expanded at all since uh, 2018? Yeah, so I can take that one. So, I mean, I am the director of recruitment and retention. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've grown, but the big thing that we really focus on this year, and I'm looking forward to sharing this more with our captains, and um, is we really focus on retention this year. We're at a really good number right now. Uh, we have some schools that are more active than others, obviously. But uh, it's been a good year for us in the fact that we're trying to really get the teams that aren't as involved more involved. Uh, I mean, believe it or not, the thing that's most difficult about recruitment is really keeping teams around. I mean, there's so when you're in college, you have so many opportunities and so many different things that you can do um, that it's easy to lose sight of something like club dodgeball. I mean, so we really have to always find ways to keep people involved. And usually it's the ones that really love the sport. And so I think the big thing for us really has been finding um, those that have passion for dodgeball in the league and getting them more involved our staff has grown um, from I had only one assistant last year, so now I have four that work under me and work with teams separately. Um, and so in teams, we got two new teams this year in Western Michigan University in Cincinnati, um, which is our lowest. The past two years before that, we had nine teams and seven teams. So it was a, l- mm. a little bit of a drop-off this year, but that's what we were expecting. Don't forget about Ball State also, our first Indiana school. Oh, that was huge. Yeah, that was, that was last season. Um, a great name for a dodgeball school there. Ball State, Tell absolutely. Um, but the big thing for us last year, really, though, was we – the previous two years, we were we were expanding south with two new Georgia schools. Uh, last year, we got a Florida school for the first time. And previous to that, we expanded out to the West Coast, which maybe seems slow, but those teams are still very active um, in their fields of dodgeball, attending things like the Seattle Classic and um, competing in foam leagues around – and that's the thing. We encourage them to, to play in not just 8.5 leagues, but just dodgeball in general. Uh, but also it's really been um, big because Ball State and we also got West Virginia, they really connect most of our schools together. That's awesome. Yeah, I wanted to give a shout-out to Kevin Fry. Um, he, he's kind of been working with me on the, the Ball is Stay aspect. And Talk about like a, a perfect play on on names, Ball State, no Ball Stay, and now uh, NCDA as as part of a team. Um, he's he's an awesome guy, and I, I think um, I don't want to deviate too much, but I, I feel like people like him are going to be the difference between make or break when it comes to new expansion teams. And I can kind of go into that later on towards the close because I, I have a question specifically for you, Jacob, in my experience and trying to help recruit. So. 
Um, we'll definitely cover that later, but, um, yeah, one. shout out to Kevin Fry. He, uh, started a club, gosh, yeah, last year. And it's one of our, got to average 40 people at, at times, 40 people at practice, which is amazing. That's awesome. That, that kid hustles, um, him and his buddy, um, Keegan, uh, I got to meet them during nationals. They, they are fantastic people. And, um, again, yep. when I look at the future of dodgeball, like that's what I want to see people that are, are willing to put the work in because they found something they love and they want to share it. And it just helps us all. Um, kind of want to dive right into, um, the championships, but let me think for a second here. Cause I, you guys both mentioned a lot of questions. I kind of just want to veer off to, and I, I get like this ADD, like, Oh man, I want to ask this question. I want to go down this rabbit hole. Um, um, hey, I could, I could touch on something you, you talked about earlier. You talked about uh, worrying about the sport and making sure that it's not going to die. And after so many years that you've put into it, um, I just, I want to make you feel old because it makes me feel old. Um, <laughs> about a seventh of the NCDA has been born after the year 2000. Oh my God. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, but hey, we're we're here to witness it and still kind of get into the court with these these young monsters. So yeah, and yeah, you know, I was I, I was gonna call you out. I was gonna say yeah, myself and you, Felix. I know you both, you and I both started in the same year. We're like the class yeah. of two thousand four. And but I didn't want to throw you out there, but you kind of self identified yourself as old. Oh so yeah, you're in this boat. I, I'm definitely an old guy. As most people saw last year at nationals, I threw my back out um, bending over to pick up a ball oh in between games and. <laughs> It was the worst, and yep. that's just what happens. I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think unfortunately now the older you get, you just you wake up and you're like, all right, what uh, what part of my body is not going to work today? And that's just the way it is uh, post thirty. But uh, actually, real quick, Kevin, are you uh, you're still recovering from an injury, right? Yeah, I've got a little issue with my elbow, forearm, but I'll hopefully be playing at round two. Might be ask. a little limited, but get back into it yeah All right, well kudos and props to you man for for sitting it out and, and not making it worse you don't want to end up like some of the older guys that are going to have just perpetual pain because they're not taking care of themselves um utilize True. that recovery time while you can um well let's go ahead and talk about some of the differences again just kind of comparing last year versus this year and um we kind of talked about some of the growth uh, a little bit some of the expansion uh, one of the things I wanted to ask, and Felix, this may be more for you, because uh, I think you have kind of like a dual role, but um, how how would you say Elite Dodgeball, USA Dodgeball, and the NCDA all complement each other? Like the, the assumption is it goes really well and they feed off each other, but can you kind of elaborate on what that relationship's been like this year? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's great to see, especially in the North, and then we're starting on the East Coast as well, where we're seeing a lot of NCDA alumni um, or in even current players, they're they're starting to pick up elite, and and it's it's great practice for them because the last thing you want to do in the off season is get rusty. So we've we've noticed that some of our best NCDA players, uh, like Tom Moran for 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 instance, he plays for Ohio Legacy and also for Miami University, and he's quickly become one of the better players in the NCDA and he's mentioned several times how much elite has helped with that. Uh, it's a shorter court, uh, sh quicker, uh, shorter throw lines. Um, when you step onto an NCDA court after an entire summer of elite, the court scene, I mean, the court is huge. It's three times field. the size. Um, you have much more time to react to the ball. 
it, it's amazing what five feet of difference will make. Um, so we've been able to complement elite, I believe, especially in the North. Every team, except for the teams based in Minnesota and the new team family from Indianapolis, they have at least one NCDA player on their team. And so we've grown a lot. We've kind of taken over the elite North. And with the East Coast, we're seeing teams pop up, uh, especially coming out of, of Towson University, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, University of Virginia. Those, those teams are starting to field elite squads and just kind of getting a feel for it. Every, every NCDA team has a rough first year, especially when it comes to open, because it's just, it's, it's almost like playing with a handicap because you're, you're not used to not squeezing the ball. Um, but the, the older guys that have been playing in elite for three, four seasons, they'll all say the same thing and that they're starting to like open um, not so much more than pinch, but almost at that same level, which yeah, if you had asked me when I started elite four years ago, I never would have said that. It's starting to like grow and grow players. And once they stick it out past that, like first rough showing or that first year, they can kind of see, um, okay, I can, I can kind of hang here. I may not be able to pinch like I normally used to, but I can adapt. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and as soon as you get the throwing style down, then you're golden. Um, and honestly, it's just a completely different style of play. The NCDA with the larger court, it's more tactical. You can you can use plays. You can, um, I would say, it's more team oriented than elite. Um, I really firmly believe that two players on an elite team can make a world of difference. The the difference of becoming getting in first place and getting in second or getting in last. Mm. Um, but with the NCDA, it, you rely much more heavily on a on your squad. And you have to because with twelve versus twelve, there's a there's a lot of potential liabilities there. Definitely that, and plus the the games are a lot longer, right? There's a it goes into like halves, I think, like twenty minute halves or uh, twenty five minute halves, right? Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, fatigue probably setting in, and you really got to rely on um, you know, your your buddies, your, your teammates to kind of carry you through that those matches. They 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 seem epic, just uh, just in scope and and distance and the fact that again they're, they're all pinch throws so um mm-hmm. these balls are coming at you pretty fast regardless if you're you got an extra five feet or whatnot um w- is it fair to say and, and this is kind of like an, i'll say it's an unfair question and, and maybe three of you guys both of you all of you guys can chime in um do the ncda teams or players look to elite as like the next step like is it the next level to them or especially now that udc is kind of out of the picture rest in peace um is, is that is that a fair assumption to make or is there still work to, de- be, to be done? I definitely think so. Um, there's definitely some hesitation there just because it's something new. It's something different. There's some people that just have flat out said, I'll never try it because it's not the NCDA. And at that, I, they're just being stubborn and ignorant, to be honest. And I'll tell them that to their face. Um, right. uh, uh, it's, it is the next step. Um, there, there are potential areas where... Um, areas of improvement that elite could adopt. But I mean, honestly, like that's what's in place right now. And if you want to continue playing dodgeball after graduation, that's what you got to do. Um, there are obviously, there are a lot of cases where people are playing dodgeball in college to hang out with their friends and, uh, just to be able to do something unique. But as soon as they graduate, they'll never touch a ball again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really sad. Um, but I think that's with anything. 
Um, there's a there's a lot of people that I played soccer with in high school that they didn't they didn't play after after we graduated, and it's just it was something to do at the time, and then they found something else after graduation. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, you can't expect every single recruit to to move on to elite, and it, it kind of reminds me of like this this not joke or. Like the way I would explain retention for when I ran Tucson dodgeball, like I would get, say, ten people showed up to an open gym. Of those ten people, seven might come back and play in a league. Of that seven, you know, four might um, might come back for like a second season, and then of that four, like you'll get one Brett Baxter, you'll get one person that's just die hard. I want to go all the way to compete, travel, and you just got to work the numbers. And you know, people that come in and play and 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 you know step off. That's you know that's just their. That's just their own dodgeball journey, I guess. Um, it's all about about fun and recreation. Not everybody wants to go the distance, so to speak. But um, how about you, Kevin? What, w- what would your thoughts be? Would you, in your experience, would you say elite's the next step for NCDA players? Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat as Felix uh, regarding that. It's obviously a challenge for us to get all of these different college students to commit to playing on an elite team, but uh, it's part of the fun of it is, you know, us trying to get those players from our league and get them to move on to the next step and be able to play uh, in elite. And uh, yeah, I know all of the alumni that I know that play in elite, uh, they've come to enjoy it uh, just the same as NCDA. It's still dodgeball. It's still so much fun. And uh, just being able to compete in this, uh, crazy unique sport that we have it's uh it's a privilege to have the ability to do that after graduating college so i hope that more uh more of the college kids sort of come around to that and realize that uh there is an outlet outside of the ncda for them to be able to play dodgeball and that they should have an open mind to it even if it's not the specific format that they're most used to if that makes sense yeah, definitely. It's like it's not the end of the world. It may not be your your specific style of play, but it's still at the end of the day, it's still dodgeball. Exactly. And uh, how about you, Jacob? I mean, especially coming from you know the recruiting aspect, um, do do you see Elite as being the next step for current incoming potential uh, recruits players? Yeah, I mean, I'd, excuse me. I would say, I mean, especially for those like the Kevin Fries and the Tom Morans. Um, and the Brandon Measles, um, however, however you say his last name, I always screwed up. But anyway, really, I mean, those are the ones that we know we're going to do it. They always find a way to get involved and stay involved. Um, I mean, our big challenge is really, and I know we're, we want to work with, and Elite's been great with us about, the leaders of Elite, about working with us and stuff. But um, it's like you said, there's all these different opportunities to do different things. So, like you said, those that are really interested and that just love dodgeball usually always come through. It's really those outliers, the ones that we really need to work with. And um, said so it just takes time. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with Kevin and Felix. They really hit it right on that. For sure. Yeah, and again, not to rag on UDC, but like what else you got out there post-dodgeball or post-college? I mean, you can do your rec leagues, right. I guess, if that's your thing. But uh, if you want to get to the next competitive level um elites where it's at so absolutely um let's talk about so let's talk about comp- uh, competition and and i wanted to say kind of like what initially brought me to this this panel and that was just the championships that are coming out so or coming up 
So by the time this airs, it'll probably be Thursday because I'll be um, MIA on Friday. So for those that are listening, the championships are going to be happening, you know, this weekend. But um, let's start with just which one is this? Is this the 14th annual or? 15th annual. 15th. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The first one was in uh, 2005. Do you remember how many teams were there by chance? At the first one, uh, there were, I think, three teams. Oh, man. Yeah, Michigan State, uh, Delta Community College. Ooh, maybe Saginaw Valley. I'll have to, I'll look. And then Ohio I all, State. I got all the records. Ohio, Ohio State, that's, Ohio that's State what it was. Was the team that won. OSU, it looks like, yeah, they took 2005, yeah. 2006. And are you serious? GVSU took 2007 to, no. Okay, I was reading this wrong. Okay, so for those of you that listen, I'm looking at the, um, I guess this is like the like the single banners with multiple years. So GVSU might be the the team that has shown the, the strongest. Is that fair to say? That would I be guess. fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they've won. Um, uh, they have the opportunity to go on a seven peat. I think this year. Correct. Seven peat. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm mean, looking at Doom. I mean, they had their what six peat. That was where they capped off. So this should be a pretty big deal. I mean, I, I would say that's that's a record uh, for a competitive dodgeball showing uh, on, a, on a national championship standpoint. Um, how many, real quick, Kevin? How many players came from GVSU that played for Dynasty? Uh, everyone on our team besides Colin O'Brien played for Grand Valley. Uh, we stole Colin. He went to Michigan State, mm. uh, so he was our rival in college. But teammates now. Nice. And could this in any way be why you guys are called Dynasty? Is that did that have any like influence on that coming from GVSU? Good catch. That is the exact reason actually. And nice. People usually don't ask like no one asks us about that, but yeah, that is that is kind of where play on words there, why we called please, ourselves Dynasty. Please don't boost his ego. <laughs> Nobody really please. cares about no, them. They're just no uh, one likes us. <laughs> please. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm kind of proud that I made that connection. Uh, go me. Um, that was impressive. At the expense of you guys, but not Kevin. So, I mean, <laughs> Jesus, look at this. It's a this long is... day. Please don't make it longer. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, uh, we'll move on. Because um, I'm sure that'll be brought up again when we talk about, like, who, who to look out for. But um, That's fine. I Steve, I unfortunately lost to Kevin in a championship twice. So Ouch. Every time it's brought up, it's like a little stab wound. Just <laughs> sprinkling salt and, and lemon on that. My my apologies. I never lost to Kevin on the NCDA court. I can say that proudly. Now is that because you true. avoided him, or because you actually went toe to toe and and won? No, no, no. We just never played them. Yeah. See, I want to roll. It's two for two. Um, subtleties I picked up on. But <laughs> so 2005, you guys went from three teams. 2019, I think you said it's well. Actually, so you have 54 teams, but are all of them going to make it to nationals? No. no. So we have... Sorry. Go ahead, guys. I was just going to say. I mean, this is a down year for us. Um, but I mean, in the past, we've had as many as 24, I believe. But go ahead, Felix. Yeah, we had 22 this year. Uh, there were 27 enrolled, and then. Um, there are just there's been the craziest situations that have happened that, that for the last five teams that have dropped out over the last few weeks. Um, one of the universities, half of their starting roster is in the same uh, program, bachelor's program, and they all have their capstone presentations, like oh. to defend their thesis that weekend. 
And so that kept them out. Um, there's been clubs that have been, they've gotten in trouble by their university and it's been a crazy time, but 22 teams this year, uh, that's still the second most that we've had at nationals. Uh, last year was the largest with 24. Um, and I do have to correct myself in 2005, we had five teams, Michigan state, Ohio State, Delta Community College, Kent, and DePaul University. Nice. DePaul. I remember um, I remember looking up your guys' website way back in the day. Um, I think I even talked to Alexander a couple times, and I just like was so jealous of these the colleges over there. And for some reason, DePaul just stood out as a, as a memory. Um, yeah, kind of random, random fact there. But... So you said enrolled. Okay, so 24 are showing up, 27 are enrolled. What, what does that mean, enrolled? That means you... Uh, oh, so sorry. It's 27 teams had expressed an interest in coming to internationals, and gotcha. they had the uh, they had every intention of coming. There were some schools that just said, hey, guys, we're not going to be able to make it this year. Uh, this year we had 34 active teams, and... Uh, 27 of them said, yes, we are interested in coming to nationals, but we have 22 that have actually committed, paid their, their entry fee, submitted their rosters, um, had their rosters verified by the university because we have to do that as well. Um, and they'll be there as well. So not to pick on anybody, um, Oregon State University, are they an active team or are they kind of part of the, the, the bigger number? Where they're, are, are they active? Let me just ask that. Yeah, so they're actually um, they haven't they didn't compete against another school this year, um, and that's I mean that's just how it is. I mean they're but yes they're extremely active. They're not um, among those thirty four, but they are in terms of they're very active. They're still an NCDA team. Um, they just compete in different formats. We just Gonzaga's pretty far away from them. Just we're working on getting a closer team to them. Gotcha. So you can be active, but that doesn't guarantee for you guys that there's, there's going to be that many teams in the championship. It, it's kind of, you have to express interest. You have to go through that process that Correct. was laid out. Um, so what does that path look like? Did, did, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, Phoenix, are you ASU? We have a, a dodgeball team. We can a- enter the nationals or is there like a requirement in terms of like, we have to have a certain record or is it open for anybody that's part of the, the association? So our nationals is an open tournament. So uh, you only have to meet, a couple of qualifications. Uh, you have to be in a, a uh, recognized and official club sport or student organization at your university. Uh, you have to have at least eight players who can um, who can meet our requirements for intercollegiate competition. And then you have to play at least three regular season games against uh, an opponent. So, um, for instance, we have DePaul University. They only played three games this year. They had a, a rough year, uh, but they wanted to get the three games in in order to, to play at Nationals. Same thing with Northwestern State University down in Louisiana. Their closest competition is, I think it's 11 hours away, but they made a, a trip all the way up to University of Wisconsin-Platteville this year to make sure they got those three games in so they could participate at Nationals this year. Okay, so there is um, there is a criteria to, to be able to to enter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so, if uh, is it on the teams to organize? Hey, how are we going to travel these eleven hours to go play against Wisconsin? Like they have to kind of figure that on their own. Like how bad do you, do you want it? Type of setup. 
Yeah, um, it, it's each team's responsibility to schedule their own games. Uh, the NCDA itself doesn't host any tournaments throughout the year except for nationals. All the other teams are hosted by the schools. Uh, the NCDA is a support organization, gotcha. and we we give people the format and the the connections in order to schedule these games so they can play more dodgeball. We will. I don't ever want to move to a model in which we tell people you can only play 12 games a year and they're going to be at these three tournaments uh, show up or don't. Um, I don't want to do that because that limits people. Uh, teams will sign up for tournaments that they can go to and that they want to go to. Not everybody. Uh, so for instance, I, I live in Columbus, Ohio and Ohio state is right next door. They, they've missed tournaments that have been at Athen, at uh, Ohio University, which is just over an hour away. And it's just because they simply just couldn't field a team for that weekend because maybe it's on a Ohio State football weekend or um, they just they didn't want to go against the competition that was going there. And that's fine. That's their prerogative. Uh, they can play as much for as little dodgeball as they want. Gotcha. That's cool. So you're, you're kind of respecting... <laughs> Like a better words, like the sovereignty of these of these organizations, you're, you're letting them kind of do their thing. You're not mandating anything. You're not being, you're not, you're not like a dictating force. Like you have to conform, or else you can't play. You're kind of just letting them figure their their own organizations out. Yep. Uh, the only again, the only requirement is play three games if you want to play at nationals. Nice. Cool. Um, so what uh, what what's the format of nationals? Is it uh, round robin to determine your seeds, and it goes into double, or how's that work? So we have it split two different days, uh, sort of similar to how elite nationals does it, uh, where day one there's no bracket play, uh, and then day two uh, you've got the bracket. So the way we do it now, we used to have it as pools where we would split teams into pools of four. Uh, and they would play their pool play on day one. Uh, we do it a little bit differently now on day one where uh, we, we let teams sort of request uh, different opponents, and they're not guaranteed to get those opponents. But uh, we end up giving each team three different matches, uh, just the same as it was when we did pool play. Uh, and those matches all count towards their uh, season record and their Gonzalez points, as we call it, uh, basically their rating that, that gives them what seed they're going to get uh, for day two. Uh, so we play those three games out on day one, and then uh, from there we, uh, we use the full season uh, points that they accumulated on, on top of day one of nationals. Um, we use all of that to rank the teams uh, and put them into a bracket for day two. Gotcha. I'm glad you brought that up because that was uh, the requesting opponents. So Rebecca had kind of mentioned that, and it sounded really cool. Like you can go there and, and request to play against, you know, like teams you might not normally get to. Um, at least, you know, I'm speaking from a complete elite um, uh, perspective where, like, man, it'd be really cool to play Gamecocks one time at some point. You know, we just got to hope that the the chips will fall where they will uh, for that to happen. But um, now, now I see how that fits in because when she mentioned that, I thought, okay, so they they must have like round robin. They maybe like block off some time to make these um, these matches happen. But um, that's pretty cool. So obviously, you guys do your best to try to honor these uh, requests. Yeah. So uh, each team, when they register, they they'll mark down and say, "I want to play one of these two teams." Hmm. Um, and so every 
the the format of nationals we want to give teams the three games so one game uh, should be an, against an opponent that they've requested we want to give everybody the opportunity to play against someone that they want to uh, for whatever reason whether they think it's going to be a good matchup or they want to slaughter someone whatever that's that's their choice right um, then we also want to give them an evenly matched game so we take everyone's Gonzalez rating which is our, our ranking algorithm and we find the standard deviation, the high and the low standard deviation, and we will find opponents for each team that are within one standard deviation of their uh, Gonzalez rating, so it's an evenly matched game. And then we also will pair them up against a team that they haven't played this season. That way they get the opportunity to play against someone unique. Because what happened in years past is you show up to nationals, you're in a pool, and it's against teams that you've played all year. And that that kind of sucks because right. there are teams there from different parts of the country that you'll never get to play against. And so we figured nationals is the best place to do this and to offer this. Um, there are some situations where, where these, these requested games or these evenly matched games or the, the games against unique opponents, those, those three will match up into one game that happens all the time. Uh, so we try to, we try to give everyone at least one of those games. And so far for the past three, I think three years we've done that. Um, everybody has gotten at least one of those games. That's pretty cool. And yeah, I, I, you're bringing back awful memories of going to Vegas, shelling out all kinds of money to play against other Phoenix, Arizona based teams. It's like, cool. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so glad we're here you know, with Denmark <laughs> and, and uh, Germany and, you know, all the guys from the East coast and I'm playing against this team that I freaking play against every Sunday. <laughs> It's like, that's, right. that's awesome. So, yeah. We do run into an issue with that, though, because there are uh, there are nine, no, now 10 schools in based in Ohio. Right. And so, unfortunately, that's going to happen sometimes. But we do our best to make sure that their other games are unique enough or, or worth it to them. But sometimes, like, I think we have eight schools from Ohio. So eight of the 22 teams are from the same state. They've all played each other a couple times this year, and that's that's going to happen. That's just how the schedule falls because um, I, I've made the matchups for nationals over the last, I think, six years, and it's a headache trying to fit all these puzzle pieces together. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what kind of uh, lift is that to to have this kind of format and you know not go crazy and performing calculus to make this happen? But <laughs> is it uh, obviously? I imagine it's worth it for you guys to offer this platform, but um, does it put a, a big strain on um, on you mentally or is it something that you can just kind of knock out because you got a format and you just got to go through the motions? So I can definitely say the first couple of years that, that we we did this where we guaranteed those three different types of games, uh, it took me 25 plus hours just to make the matchups, Jeez. Uh, trying to get everything to fit perfectly. Uh, but... Luckily, I'm pretty handy with Excel and now uh, SQL programming languages. So um, I've gotten this down to kind of a, a science. And so this year when I made the matchups, it only took me about an hour and 45 minutes. So it's nice. getting better year after year. Uh, and it's not as much of a headache as it used to be. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm asking for a friend, just on the off chance I may want to entertain, somebody might want to entertain providing a tournament with this kind of format where you can request who you play against like a, a grudge tournament but uh mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah just going back to sharing resources uh, i mean uh, that's that's awesome i mean just the the, the melding of ideas and whatnot um yeah 
absolutely. I, I enjoy doing the scheduling and matchups and things like that. So I'll put this out for anyone. If anybody needs help scheduling a tournament, just let me know. I'm, I actually really honestly do enjoy doing it. Nerd. Yeah. You're one of those yep. weird people like Brett Baxter who just loves stats. I'm like, okay, nerd, <laughs> whatever, man, whatever, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. Um, well, cool. So are there, whoop, uh, hit the mic. Um, are there any like major rule changes going into this weekend that, um, people might want to be aware of or any, yeah. Cause, cause elite obviously has some, had some changes being, you know, uh, an established organization. So do you guys do that too? Do you guys have like rule refinements and Hey, this is working. So let's try this thing out or what's that looking like? Yeah. Um, so we, we vote on rules every off season and we do that as a league. Every team in the league gets a vote. Um, when it comes to all of those changes, um, this year we actually don't have any major changes uh, as opposed to in years past. Uh, but I guess to sort of sum it up, some of the most recent changes that we've made that have sort of helped make our, uh, our format more exciting, more fun to watch, more fun to play, uh, we've switched to uh, the clean blocking rule, uh, which is the same as in Elite, where if it, if it bounces off your ball and still hits you in the face, you're out, uh, as opposed to when the league first started, if it hit your ball first, you were safe, even if it directly hit you in the head right afterwards or hit you right in the foot. Um, so that's one change that has helped speed up the game. And on top of that, we've dropped it down from a roster size of 15 players in the starting lineup to 12. And even that small change has made it more exciting. The games, uh, the points go quicker and it's a higher, higher scoring game. Uh, more exciting to watch there could be a lot more action that goes on uh because of that so nice. but no 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 new changes this year as opposed to in 2018 yeah i remember um the dirty blocking that was that was fun to talk about i think i was talking about that with Paige, and i think i'd, I'd seen a couple instances where people are playing elite and they think they're good because they're, they're used to that but it's good to yep. kind of phase that out so it just kind of helps with that continuity yeah, of, of rules. it needed to happen was that like a, a pain point for you guys, Jacob? Like just something you guys knew at some point it's just got to go. Like this, it's been long enough. Yeah, I mean it was just so much of a headache because half the time people would be like, "Oh, I hit the ball first. Like, dude, that hit your shoulder. Dude, that hit your foot." And be like, "No, nope, hit the ball." Then refs would have to talk. It just took up too much time. So it was an easy fix. Yep. Yeah, it, it it probably just eliminates all kinds of gray area and interpretation. Like, no, that hit you. You're you're out. See ya. We do have one difference, though, in that it's only one one kill per throw, so there's no ricochet oh. kills. Um, and also, if you block a ball into your teammate, so if I block it into Kevin's back, Kevin's still safe. Uh, the only person that can get out on a throw is the uh, the original target. So if it is my ball first, I'm the only one liable for for an out. Oh. So that was kind of, that was kind of our our um, compromise for the, the people who still like the dirty blocking that we had in the NCDA. And I'm sure at some point in the future, we'll, we'll explore the options of doing ricochet kills, but with so much stacking that, that the NCDA teams do, it could potentially cause a lot of uh, refing issues as well, because if a, if a team is stacking three or four deep in the corners, um, it's, it's kind of tough to tell if it hit one player or two or, four, or all four. Gotcha. That's fair. Um, Kevin, I think, were you going to chime in or say something? Oh, no, 
he basically summed it up there. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I want to add, do you guys, do you have flight kills, suicides? Just out of curiosity. It's, uh, it's uh, the same as what Elite has now, where okay. if, you, if you step over the line, once, you're, once you step out of bounds, you're out, basically. So it happens from time to time. Uh, at the very end of a point, someone might jump over the line to try and get in out, but it's not very frequent. Yeah, with a 30-foot throw line, it's really tough. Yeah, so. I was going to ask about that. Like, I mean, what are you really gaining with that massive neutral zone and uh, all that space? So I'm just curious if you guys had that. So let's let's go ahead and go in and get into the actual um, the actual event itself, the, the, the Nationals. And one of the things I want to ask, um, and we can start with you, Jacob, is just what are the, the teams or colleges that we should be looking at uh, going into this weekend? Like, who do you want to look out for? I mean, obviously the host, Grand Valley, they uh, haven't lost yet this year. I mean, they've had some close um, matches with uh, Michigan State, Central, and uh, Towson. But, uh, I mean, they're really – they're just – they have great leadership. They have great organization. Um, it really is – it's fun to watch. They're very talented. Uh, I would say the other team to watch out is Towson. Uh, it's the first real contender outside of the state of Michigan in quite some time. Uh, and the others will elaborate on that, but it really is. It's exciting to see. I mean, it could be our first real um, champion outside the state of Michigan in almost 10 – it's been a while. I'd say almost 10 years, I believe, since Ohio State. So uh, back in 2006. So it's way over 10 years. So uh, that – and then also there's CMU. Uh, JMU is not making the trip. There's a lot of reasons for that. But also Central Michigan uh, could make it to the national championship for a fifth year in a row. Uh, so I'll end on that note. Fire up chips. They're the Buffalo Bills of the NCDA. God, please don't say it. Ever say that again? <laughs> that <laughs> hurt. <laughs> um, so Grand Valley, uh, just because we talked about the potential for a seven peat, um, obviously that's huge. And then Towson, uh, just from what we talked about, might be the team that might have the best shot at giving Grand Valley a, a hard time if they match up? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, how about you, Felix? Who, who's on your, your watch list? Um, you know, Grand Valley and Towson are, are up there, but I'm really excited to see what Miami brings. Uh, Miami University, they made a lot of, of strides in the last few years. Um, they were by far far and away the worst team in the NCDA from like 2009 to 2011. And then they actually went defunct for, I think three years. And then they started back up in 2016, I think. And now they're number four in the country and they really have made a lot of strides. They, they work well as a team. Um, Their top four players have really honed their skills and they do a, a great job of communicating, and that's a huge part of the game is calling out plays, making sure you know who's making that next throw, and um, and not only that, but they're incredibly accurate. So I'm excited to see how they do. I don't know if they'll make it to the championship game, but I'm expecting them to make Final Four. Gotcha. And this is Miami, an Ohio based of Ohio, okay. yeah, out of Oxford, Ohio. Dang, I got excited for a second. Like, nice, you got Florida coming all the way out, but uh, uh, one day, no. Alrighty. Um, how about you, Kevin? What do you what are your teams to look out for? Uh, 
Yeah, I kind of echo same thing that they said. Grand Valley is the obvious favorite. Uh, 22 and 0 on the season so far, and they're actually on a 30 game win streak going back, uh, dating back to last February, I think. So, uh, yeah, they're on a roll, and that's only 11 wins shy of the college dodgeball uh, record for wins, uh, consecutive wins, which is 41. So they can get up to seven uh, over the course of nationals. So they'll get up to 37 and be just four shy of that if they do end up winning nationals going undefeated the whole weekend. Um, but out, besides Grand Valley, Towson, as they mentioned, they've been a really impressive team all year. And I think that's something we should mention is just how impressive of leadership they have uh, over the last few years. This is a program that when they joined the NCDA, they were one of three teams on the East Coast to join, and they were arguably the worst one. Uh, huh. And over the first few years as a program, they were the worst team in the East. They were getting beat up by everyone, James Madison, Maryland. Um, and they've really turned their program around where the way that they run their program uh, from a social media standpoint, promoting their team uh, both at their school and then on social media and, and on on the, uh, you know, all, all the different ways that they go about it. Um, they're a really popular team at their school with their club sports program, and they just do a really good job of running that club. So I'll be happy to see them have some success at nationals. They've never made it further than the quarterfinals ever. They've choked a few times, once in overtime. Another time they blew a, a bit of a lead late in the game against Michigan State. I think that was in 2017. But, yeah, they've never made it to a Final Four, and this year they're projected to make it all the way to the title game. So nice. excited to see that. Um, yeah, and then besides those teams, all the other Michigan teams, you have Central Michigan, Michigan State, Saginaw Valley, and then Miami, like, like Felix mentioned. Those are the main uh, contenders, if you will. Awesome. Sounds exciting. Um, man, I, no offense to you guys, but uh, the seven peat, I can't get past that, but also <laughs> how cool would it be if Towson beat Grand Valley? And then you have like a repeat of, uh, you know, people cheering when Grand Valley takes a, takes a dive. So that's awesome. I, at least I, I know like who to kind of watch now and um, I hope people tuning in will, will be able to do so. And actually, so how, how do we watch this? Um, I don't know who wants to take that one, but uh, will this be streamed, or are we going to hope somebody hops on their cell phone and films it for us, or how's that going to how's that going to play out? Good question, and uh, great timing for that. Uh, if this comes out on Thursday, then we'll be a couple days late. But on Tuesday here, we just had an announcement where uh, the NCDA is partnering with Mad City and mainstream media to video production companies uh, based out of Chicago uh, and we'll be partnering with them for championship Sunday. So uh, we'll be uh, live streaming on Facebook, YouTube and Twitch those days or uh, on, on Sunday. And that'll be from eight o'clock in the morning till 4 PM uh, Eastern time. We're going to have live stream with multiple camera angles, full commentary, nice. uh, everything that you want to see out of a, out of a sports broadcast, we're going to have that for bracket play at nationals on the main court. So it'll be exciting. Uh, I know that our, our teams and our players are really excited 
for that after finding out about it earlier today. Um, but yeah, I think that it's going to be a great, great thing for the sport of dodgeball as a whole, just being able to get that full on production uh, and really show what college dodgeball is all about to its fullest potential. Heck yeah, it would. Um, so again, diving into my past, um, I think it was 2007 or eight, I saw Fox Sports Network. I think it was like the local sports, like like not, not you know, uh, Fox Sports, the, the main channel, but um, getting backtracked. But anyway, I, I saw like a, a commentated, like full production of um, a match. And I don't know if it was the Nationals, but I, I, just, I just remember seeing, holy crap, this is a professionally done, um, event that's that's got commentators and this is like back in 2007 before you know we were treated to Dave Benedetto and um, you know Brittany Massaro doing the uh, the UDC and just to see that kind of attention being given to a dodgeball event was super exciting and another reason why I wanted to try to bring uh, NCDA to the southwest was just like look at this like people take this crap seriously like look how well done this is so to kind of see that develop into you know what we have now with with streaming and and give it the the treatment that I feel like dodgeball really deserves. Um, that's really exciting, and uh, I'll, I'll be tuning in when I can uh, to see how this plays out. Um, that, that's awesome. Um, are you uh, are the commentators? Are they going to be players from NCDA, or are you guys going to be any part of that? Or how, how does that de- how's that determined? We'll be part of it. It's going to be uh, just various NCDA staff, whether it's, whether it's people on the executive board right now, uh, like the three of us or other alumni. So, uh, we're going to work through that. And I should mention as well that we will have streaming on Saturday as well, even though it won't be, uh, the well done product that mad city and mainstream media are going to give us. We're going to do a little bit of Facebook live, uh, on Saturday for all those, uh, not bracket play, but the pool play type type games as well okay cool so you could still tune in and, and catch everything you just won't get the the extremely polished version on sunday absolutely yeah yeah it'll just be from someone's cell phone like it typically is for sure um i'll probably put an ipad up and just leave it there for four hours until facebook kicks me off and then we'll restart it again yeah um, awesome but yeah so sat- saturday will be covered it's just we're really looking forward to sunday we're really happy that we're able to work with Ma- uh, mad city and mainstream they've both been extremely uh helpful and in- in making this happen on our budget um they've been uh, I'm, I'm just really excited to work with these guys um and they they told me yesterday actually they're bringing in a professional commentator that's going to sit with the ncda staff and the um and the any other NCDA players that we have doing commentary that way they kind of act as a uh, a person that doesn't know the sport as well as we do so they're going to ask questions that maybe the audience would like to know and so i think it's going to be um really great having that person there as well that's awesome i didn't know that until just now and that's exciting <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i guess i forgot to mention that to you guys small detail but that's awesome <laughs> That's cool. Um, man, that, yeah, that's the, the, the old, old man in me is, is really happy right now. I've got a cheesy smile on my face. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, we, it's, we are so fired up about it because it's just going to be a great opportunity for us to show off what our league is all about definitely. and the sport of dodgeball itself. Uh, just all of these different kids and, and their friend groups, when they share this on, on their social media, they get to see what dodgeball is all about. And then also within the dodgeball, 
community itself. I know that a lot of people might not be as knowledgeable as even you are when it comes to the NCDA. This will be a cool way for them to really see what what we have going on yep. with with our, our format. So we are really excited for it. Yeah, definitely. Then, like, what what could be? You, you can bring that here, here yeah. being wherever you're watching on the on the west uh, west coast and exactly. Southwest. Yeah, so Mad City is bringing three technical directors with them, so we're gonna have someone um, watching the court, switching between between cameras, following the action of the play, and then uh, the other two are gonna be working on on uh, replays. So this will be the first time that that the NCDA will have replays available in. Um, and stoppages of play. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's just, it brings a whole new production level to, to dodgeball. And I, I told Eric from mad city. It's like, I really feel like this event is going to open up a lot of doors, not only for us, but for you guys too. So they're excited too. I sure hope so. And I, I'm confident it will um, just, yeah, there, there's a lot to be said about a professional production and capturing dodgeball the right way versus, um, you know, implanting, you know, subject matter experts such as you guys to just cue the audience in on what they're watching. And and even me, like, you know, 10 minutes ago, I didn't know anything about, you know, Grand Valley and, and Townsend. And now I'm bought in. Like, I, I really hope I get to see that matchup and I'll be rooting for somebody, probably both until I see a clear winner. But yeah, <laughs> I, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of awesome potential I think that's about to come out of this. So it'd be really cool to see what, what plays out after the weekend takes place. But um Let's, let's kind of get into the, the crowdsource questions. I'm sure it was kind of bounced back and forth between the actual event. And we'll start with uh, Sergio Leone. Um, he asks, like, what is your favorite NCDA final that each of you have witnessed? Um, and for that, I mean, it, it could be any of the, the previous uh, finals that took place, or do you guys have, like, a favorite? And we'll start with you, Jacob. Uh, I mean, I think my favorite still the uh, – just from a personal perspective was my last – was my last game, which was the 2015 national championship. It was Kevin's as well. Uh, it went one zero, almost went into overtime. Uh, went down. I think Grand Valley had like maybe one or two players left, and then the time ran out. Um, that was for me. Um, other than that, uh, the year before that, the year after that, 2016 was pretty exciting as well. Or am I getting the years mixed up, Kevin? Yeah, 2016 was our last year. Thank you. Uh, was that what you were alluding to earlier, Jacob, when you're like, hey, please don't rub his ego. Like, I lost to him, and <laughs> yeah. I don't want to relive that. Two years in a row, man. Don't okay. keep bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. There's, there's more salt and lime in the wound. But uh, context, man, it's important. I just have to – we have to know. We have to know the stories behind oh, this. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you're a good sport. Um, I think Felix was the ref for that game, the head ref. Yeah, I've been the head, I've been the head ref for uh, the finals game since 2013. I think. Nice. And that's why we lost. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> will, will we be seeing you uh, as a final, uh, final ref this year, Felix? I assume so. Um, it really just depends on how the day's going. Right. Um, if, if there are any referees that are standing out, um, then, then I may give, give it up, but it's not anything that I, I want. It's more just, um, I'm the the loudest voice and the the meanest person on the court, so uh, people don't don't try as much with me, which is good. I need, you got to keep the games under control because obviously, with 
with playing as many games as as they do in a weekend, everyone's tired. They're running on little sleep. Um, tempers can flare, so you just got to make sure you have strong referees in there to, to keep everybody under control. For sure. Yeah, I was going to make some kind of like sideways weird rooster pun, but uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep it clean. Um, well, how about your, your favorite Nationals event? Um, or final matchup that you witnessed, uh, Felix. I mean, you've, I'm sure you've got a lot to draw from. So what, what stands out the most to you? Honestly, I think it was, and this isn't just uh, rubbing Kevin's face. He wasn't even on the team yet, but 2011 when Central Michigan beat uh, Grand Valley in the finals. Fire up, um, baby. That was, it was really an incredible game. Um, they Central's team at that time, they had so many natural athletes on the team. They had, they're, I would say 10 of their 15 on the starting lineup, they look like they could be D1 athletes. Um, like uh, these names won't mean anything to anybody listening unless you're an old NCAA person. But like you had Eric Fisher, uh, you had Sweet, you had, uh, I'm sorry, Patrick Fisher, Eric Sweet, got those mixed up. And then um, Brett Hadwin, Bryce Corian. These, these guys were legends in the NCAA. They were awesome athletes um all of them knew how to play the game and they really just they took that away from from grand valley and that was after i think grand valley they were on a three-peat at the time going for their fourth win and it was cool because at the time there was grand valley's captain jimmy um what's his last Stokes. stokes jimmy stokes so that was his senior year and he had won an NCAA title every year except for this last year. And he was the one to, he, I, I was going to, I was the tournament director at the time. So I was going to give the trophy to central. He goes, do you mind if I do it? And just that, that level of sportsmanship. Um, he said, guys, you guys, you took it from us. You deserve this. You, oh, that's awesome. you showed us. Yeah. It was, it was a really good moment because he could have been, um, he could have been nasty about it. He could have been uh, tempers could have flared. He could have been emotional, but no, he was, it just shows that um, the the level of maturity that he had and that the entire Grand Valley team had. They all stuck around. They all uh, clapped for the the winners. It was it was just a really good moment. What class? That's awesome. Yeah. Need need more of that kind of camaraderie and and respect for each other despite your win or loss. Because um, man, meltdowns can be can be pretty bad on the mm-hmm. elite side. Um, that's awesome. Uh, what was his name again? Jimmy Stokes. Jimmy Stokes. He's been around. He's been around in the in, in elite. Uh, he pops in every now and then. Gotcha. I think he lives in South Carolina now. Yep. That's cool. Um, and that that answered one of the questions I wrote I wrote down earlier that I kind of forgot. And that that was what what do you, what do you get um, nationals? Is it like a traveling trophy? Uh, everybody get medals. Uh, obviously, you want pride and and you know place in history. But what are you guys playing for? Were the were the teams like? Is it is it a big, uh, just a big trophy? There's or? there's a big trophy. Gotcha. Um, it's got a dent in it now, and of course, Grand Valley will blame <laughs> Central Michigan for it that it happened during the year that they got to keep it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just a giant trophy that uh, has resided at someone's house at, at Grand Valley's campus for the last so many years. Yeah, it has. Uh, it's got a lot of plaques at the bottom where you just put in. Yeah. Grand Valley. yeah, like the Stanley Cup, pretty much. Yeah, that's what I was picturing. That's too cool. Um, 
I think it's the trophy goes back to the first nationals, I believe. So it, the trophy yeah. is 15 years old. Um, it has the, the eight founding members or founding teams of the NCDA. It's got the, the captains and the teams etched into the trophy itself, uh, just to kind of pay tribute. We're only a couple years away from the trophy itself being older than some of the people that are going to be receiving it. Oh boy. There <laughs> Pretty go. crazy to think about. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was funny because when we when we talked last year, um, me and Felix were like having a a contest of who is older, and then uh, you just out of nowhere, Kevin, you're like, "Wow, you guys are old." And I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> why am I fighting this battle? <laughs> Nobody wins." But uh, I mean, that, that's awesome, and then you know, that's kind of why. Uh, quick segue, like why I even want a podcast to begin with is just to cement some of this history and, and give people a chance to hear those names that yeah they may not be playing anymore they may not be accurate or active but uh in in a small weird kind of way they they still live on and um just kind of talking to you guys and understand the whole what's what's centered around nationals is really getting me kind of amped up for it um even though i will never play ncda myself and have been an outsider um this is awesome um before we go into some of the more questions because there are definitely more questions about rivalries and whatnot but uh, kevin what was your favorites um NCAA, NCDA final that you've witnessed or participated in? I was actually going to say what Felix said, that, that 2011 one, I wasn't part of the league yet. Um, it was actually one of those YouTube videos that when I was in high school, I, I saw it and hmm. uh, it made me kind of want to join the team when I went to school at Grand Valley. So, But yeah, I think that that one was the most iconic, I guess, because Central Michigan was able to break Grand Valley's four-year streak of winning the title. Um, and they did it in such uh, exciting fashion where I think that that's the type of potential that we have this year with Towson coming in with a chance to maybe break Grand Valley's six-year streak. And, I mean, that type of legend lives on when you're able to do something like that. Central Michigan, that one is probably the most exciting national championship game ever mm-hmm. because of what was on the line there with Grand Valley streak. So. And it was just, it was amazing. The catches that Central was making at that time, their, their team was, it was very split. You were either an amazing catcher, an amazing thrower, but the amazing throwers didn't catch and the catchers didn't throw. And so the catchers that they were, they were making were ridiculous. I just, um, I was a shot clock referee for that game. And I just remember, I think his name was Pat. He was a redheaded guy and he sprinted across the court uh, reached out like a wide receiver and just drug his toes as he slid out of bounds. And so he makes the catch, but he's out. We don't have momentum rules in the NCDA, but it was just the level of athleticism that it'll never leave my memory. That's awesome. You got to love those, those plays and those exchanges of, of um, I don't want to say bouts, but you just you gotta love when that certain things just stick in your mind forever, whether you're a part of it or not. You're you're just you're there to to witness it. Um, so Towson, I mean, hopefully we're not paying a huge target on them, but uh, definitely setting the expectation there. Um, Bill Fisher asked, uh, "What are the main rivalries we should be aware of going into this weekend? Who are the capable underdogs and who are the favorites?" I think. I don't want to speak for you guys, but it sounds like we covered some of them. But were there any other? Uh, teams that we should look out for especially with like, like the capable underdogs you mentioned miami um are there any favorites or any other teams that we want to elaborate on sure um yeah so we've mentioned each of the teams 
ranked in the top seven or eight, I think. Um, but yeah, I think that some of the other teams to look out for, especially when they're able to watch this on the Mad City live stream that we're going to have, there's a handful of teams from Ohio that their programs have really just stepped up so much over the last few years, and they're far more competitive teams now than they were in the past. Uh, so I'd say keep an eye on Ohio University, uh, Akron University as well, and then even Bowling Green State. Uh, Bowling Green made it to the Final Four last year. They graduated so many people, so they took a step back this year. But those three teams from Ohio and then Kent State as well, uh, those will all be interesting teams to watch. Um, also, I guess worth mentioning is Penn State and Virginia Commonwealth as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Penn State is one of the most athletic teams in the league, and they don't have the most experience. They're a really young team right now, but I, I have a feeling that we're going to get them on the live stream court at least once because they are a fun team to watch. Every year. So, many, Every year. so much athleticism. And, and yeah, they every year it seems like they're on the verge of pulling an upset. They almost upset the number one seed last year when they were the 16th seed. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, they're a fun team to watch. And then VCU last year was like the main story of nationals. They were able to upset mm -hmm. Saginaw Valley when Saginaw was number three at the time. And then they almost upset Michigan State as well to get into the quarterfinals, which would have been the furthest that they've ever gone as a team too. So, yeah, there's a there's a handful of teams there. The middle of the pack of the NCDA is really, really exciting to watch because they're all teams that are sort of improving day by day and becoming more and more competitive. And, yeah, even like Akron, as I mentioned earlier, they they were a, a literal second away from upsetting Saginaw Valley State earlier this year. Saginaw scored a point with a second to go to force overtime. So oh, nice. it's things like that where there are so many teams that have the have what they're they're capable of beating top level teams so it'll be really fun to watch there's gonna be upsets i guarantee that that's awesome I think march madness round two yeah <laughs> exactly it's funny you mentioned that because markel asked me about march madness which we'll get into but uh jacob i think you were kind of chiming trying trying to chime in about penn state um being athletic and, and just a potential team to look out for but were there any other teams on on your on your docket that you're looking at or I mean, not I mean, Kevin nailed them all. I mean, yeah. the big thing with, especially at the college dodgeball level, I mean, especially with the younger teams, it takes time, years to become a really competitive team usually. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, there's only so many that have a realistic shot, in my opinion, to really go far. Yeah. I like the the middle of the pack statement. Of, it could, it's going to be a battle. Um, that's always, you know, you don't want to necessarily just watch one team steamroll everybody. You want to see exactly. that, uh, that, the competition and, and just the, the battles. So it sounds like there's going to be a lot of them uh, come Sunday. Yeah. Um, well, the way even, we – sorry, go ahead, sorry, Felix. I was going to say, well, and then even like since we, we do the matchups where you get an evenly matched teams, even the teams that are in the, the bottom of our, of our skills levels, they're going to be playing other teams that are just as skilled as they are. And so those are going to be close matches. They may not be the most exciting. They're not going to be – the the like it's not going to be like Towson versus Grand Valley, but they're going to be exciting um, for for their own right. And so, all day Saturday, there's going to be great matchups. I'm I'm really confident of that. There's only going to be a few games uh, that are going to be blowouts. Right. 
plenty of plenty of even match drama to go around. Um, let's uh yeah, and the way we kind of have talked about it as as like a NCDA staff in the past is just the middle of the pack and the NCDA continues to rise is basically how it how we say it. Where those teams that used to be easy wins for for a number three team in the country, they continue to rise up where it's it's no guarantee anymore. There's going to be so many exciting games because of that. So nice. Let's um let's let's kind of go back to that March Madness comment. Um, I I won't necessarily keep this rapid fire, but uh, I just want to see what your guys' overall four picks are. Um, and that was asked by by Sergio. Um, just who would your final four be? Uh, and we'll start with you, Jacob. I mean. I'll have to say that, uh, I mean, it's always tough, especially with how <clears throat> Saturday ends up. I mean, like last year, VCU upset SVSU and changed the entire rankings in the bracket. But if I had to go with anything, I'd go with uh, Grand Valley, Towson, CMU, and uh, MSU. Nice. Uh, how about you, Felix? I'd say Grand Valley, Towson, Miami, and... I don't know that last one. It's it's a toss up. I'll go with Michigan State. And uh, Kevin, I'm gonna go the same thing as Lasky. I'll go Grand Valley, Towson, uh, Central Michigan, and Michigan State. I don't think we've talked enough about Michigan State or Central even on this podcast. But MSU is is a team that is loaded with rookies where. People aren't going to be expecting them to be as good as they're going to be at nationals. They've had time to develop and learn the game, learn how to get that pinch throw down. They're one of the most talented teams overall in the league, and I think that they're going to have like a breakout type of performance at nationals. I would argue that outside of Towson, they have the most ceiling in terms of being able to compete with Grand Valley. So, nice. really, yeah, wow. I and I know that there's some other people that feel the same as me that I've talked to about that recently, and. I know MSU has some rookies that I haven't seen play in an NCDA game, but they went to Elite in in uh, Minneapolis and played there. So they have some talent, and they have some players that now have some real experience against good players. I think that they, other than Towson, have the best shot at beating Grand Valley. Interesting. Yeah, so many teams to look out for now. Um, let's see couple of questions I'm going to gloss over just for the sake of time because there was a uh, Tyler wrote wrote us a novel <laughs> with some of his uh, questions I, so I definitely want to get into that but um, I'll kind of rapid fire these other ones yeah so let's go ahead and do that um, quick. Bill Fisher let's say I'm trying to find a team to cheer for based on their approach to the game what teams would I follow for high level strategy um, and a physically dominant team and a team that catches like no other so I guess um, if you want to take that mm-hmm. one Kevin uh, yeah, I go physically dominant team would be Towson. They have so many arms up and down their their roster. Uh, Strategy-wise, I would say any of those Michigan teams. Michigan teams are known for having the most strategy. Um, and then what was the other one? Catching? Catching. Catching, I'd say Saginaw Valley State. They're the best catching team in the country. They have some insane catchers on their team. So keep an eye out for them when it comes to catching. Nice. And then Felix Jacob, do you have uh, any way in on that? Or do you want to let Kevin... Kind of speak for you guys. 
I think Kevin's answers are good. Yeah, yeah same. Kevin nailed all. Well, thanks. <laughs> all right, that's the last compliment you get. <laughs> How many more can you rake in before you settle start? down there? <laughs> done. We're done. That's never happening again. Push <laughs> my limit. Um, let's see. Sergio asked, any chances of catching a highlight reel? I'm going to assume yes, but that really depends on. Like, you guys will get the footage from Mad City, right? It's not... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll own the footage after, at the end. Uh, so we're definitely going to make a highlight reel. We want we want something to be able to blast out on social media uh, and get new teams into the NCBA. So we'll have a we'll have a five-second clip to catch people's in- initial interest, a 15-second clip, a uh, 30-second, and then hopefully we get, like, a five-minute long, like, highlight reel. Gotcha. And to add on top of that, real quick, we also invited uh, Dominic Borgia... Unfortunately, he's unable to make it, but Bummer. he was planning on coming and doing some, uh, putting together a little highlight tape for us too. So. Doesn't he have a funeral or something like that? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. he had a funeral for a friend, I believe. So uh, our thoughts are with him. Unfortunately, he's not able to make it, but he seemed really excited about filming us for the the whole documentary and then also getting to put together a little highlight tape for us. So yeah, poor guy. I I caught wind of of, of something like that happening to him and. Yeah, if you're listening, Dominic, thoughts are with you, man. Hope you're yep. able to, to recover. And I was going to ask if, if he was going to be a part of this too because, I mean, that guy has covered every single major dodgeball event. And I was curious to see, like, what his take would have been for the the NCAA championships. But, you know, it was always next year. So, um, mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Sergio asked, um, and I'm going to kind of pair this with Frankie. So he asked, what does the NCAA Day tournament calendar look like per year? Uh, we did kind of cover that last year. And that's one of the things where, like, I, I don't want to necessarily plug uh, last year too much. But if if you're listening and you, and you kind of want a little bit more of the NCAA background, um, we did cover it briefly in the opening to this this particular episode. But I do want to kind of point you into pre- last year's, um, again, just for the sake of time. And I do want to spend more time on the actual uh, event itself. So... All right, so I, I did want to ask, though, um, some of these questions that came up. I just feel like they're going to cause a lot of discussion, which is great. But um, we'll start with Frankie Janetto's question, and that is, can you explain the burden rules and why they are set up that way? And uh, Phoenix, do you, do you want to take that one? Yeah, so uh, the NCDA is unique in that we have a, a shot clock. So um, each team must make a throw within 15 seconds. This just helps keep the game from getting stale. Um, but it can't just be like a throw or you can't roll the ball to the other team. It has to, the ball has to go into what we call the legitimate attempt zone. So you have to be able to make a play on the ball. So we say that's within a step and a lunge of uh, a stationary player. Um, so you, so a player has to be able to make a play on the ball in order for it to reset the shot clock. Uh, this is important because we don't want people just stalling out. Um, we want the game to continue. Uh, ideally it should be, a play every 15 seconds at the very least, but we understand that people are going to miss their shots. Sometimes Um, we've, we've made some uh, updates to this rule over the last several years. So um, we have a 10 second shot clock. If the team has five or less players on the court, um, then they have 10 seconds to throw the ball. And that just kind of helps speed up the game because with throwing a ball every 10 seconds, when you're down to, five or less people, you're going to start making mistakes or the other team is also going to start firing fast to you because just the game is naturally going to pick up. Um, we, we really like the style of play for the NCDA, and it's important because we have 10 balls on the court. So it's really tough to do like a burden style um, shot clock. Right. Just because 
with 10 balls, even if we were to do an off color ball, like, like elite or take out one of the balls or add a ball to make it um, an odd number. Once you get down to like two players, then you're going to get in just a, a rolling match where it's, it's going to be unrealistic to, to be able to throw seven, eight balls. I guess the most you would have to throw would be six, but six balls uh, in order to alleviate the burden from your team. So we, we really like our shot clock. Uh, there are definitely some, some improvements that we can make, but we're happy with where we are right now. And that, that kind of addresses kind of what Frankie's follow-up statement, which is for me, FYI, to me, it seems slow, predictable with take turns throwing and rules. So the shot clock and, and just kind of altering the time, depending on how many team or how many players are left on a particular team and just making sure that you have to make legitimate throws and not rolling balls kind of helps mitigate the, right, I and like I, I, I think it's less of a, a back and forth than elite because elite truly is just one shot clock for the entire game. Uh, with the NCDA, you have two shot clocks running simultaneously. So, if a if a team decides to throw at four seconds, then again at seven seconds, um, that that's quick enough where uh, one team could throw twice between uh, uh, before the other team even gets to make one throw. So. And especially if, if a team is good enough to be able to uh, read their opponent and make strategic throws that could help force a, uh, a shot clock violation on the other team. So if you keep pump faking or throwing at the person that's about to throw to the point where they won't make their throw, then um, uh, you can get into a whole new, whole new uh, range of strategy there and trying to force ball violations so that way you get all of the balls. Hmm. So it's definitely like like elite. So there, you'll have your people trying to pump fake and trying to stall and, and psych out the other team to cause a, mm-hmm. a, a turnover. Like what would you call that when you have to? It's a shot clock violation. Shot clock violation. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I, again, it's I, I, from the outside looking in. Those massive court spaces. It, it may look like um, it, things may be slow and predictable, but I mean, there, I've seen some elite games just go by so painstakingly slow as well. So I think it's just, uh, I think when you have two teams that know each other really well and they're both really strategic and keep their communication on point, it's just bound to happen. So curious mm-hmm. to see how that's going to play out because I don't think, and Serge Ferrari may correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if there's like a certain window that Elite has to follow to make a legitimate throw. I don't know if we've gotten there yet. I don't think so. Yeah. No. It's because you could roll the balls back and, f- well, I think there's you a could roll the ball once. Yeah. yeah. You can't roll yeah. the ball after you've received a roll or something like that. That's lame. <laughs> Such a, <Yeah. laughs> like, throw the ball at me. Come on, just end it or just yeah. play dodgeball. <laughs> well, well, we had talked about that in the in the past in the NCDA. We talked about going to a burn style. Someone's like, well, "What happens if if we just roll the balls to the other team?" It's like, why would you do that? Then you're just giving the enemy am- ammunition. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Just make your throws. Just take a shot. Play some dodgeball. So before we move on to uh, or move past Frankie, he did ask one more question, and I think this might be best for you, Jacob, just based on your recruiting efforts. But um, he goes on to ask, what's the audience attendance at big events, and are there any schools that do a really good job of community outreach? And if so, what do they do? So what's your take on that one? I think that's a great question. I mean, we really – that's one of the few things that we pride ourselves on. Uh, so our schools like JMU and Towson uh, on the East Coast – uh, do a really great job with that. Uh, I mean, they <laughs> they travel well. I mean, even in away tournament away tournaments, they really they really have a, a diff- They make a difference. I mean, 
I've played against JMU, and there's times where, I, I mean, their fans really know how to get loud and also make a difference. But um, the big, the biggest one, though, that I can think of was uh, Grand Valley back in the day, I think 2009, but they were the third, their nas- the national championship or whatever, the, t- the tournament itself, and the third most attended event at the university, which has 25,000-plus. Um, third most attended that year, and the only ones that beat it was a football game and a basketball game. So wow. that in itself is still pretty impressive. Score one for for us, you know the, you know, the you know, us always taking a backseat to conventional sports. Like coming in third, that's pretty solid. Um, I'm sure if you look it up too. I mean, just type it into Google. You're gonna find it. There's a pretty famous picture of it. I mean, the, the entire standing is standings are full. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. We used to have events. Uh, at Western Kentucky University, we would play University of Kentucky every year in the Battle of the Bluegrass. And it was a fundraiser event for a high school. And so the high school would charge admission and raise money for their like after prom party thing that they do. And the stands would be packed. Uh, the first year that I played in it, it was a sold out crowd. They had 400 plus people there. Um, and these were all just people from, from a small farming community in Butler County, Kentucky, who were just out to like support their school but then they found college dodgeball to be a, a pretty exciting event. And it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. That'll be the day when there's just a stadium packed full of people watching dodgeball of all things. And not just, you know, <laughs> not just your girlfriend, boyfriend, or, you know, brother, sister, mom, dad, whoever you can drag out mm-hmm. to watch you. That's uh, that day's getting closer. I can feel it. Um, I think people need to look to the NCAA for that and, and figure out what, um, what they do to make that happen. I, I think earlier, um, Kevin, you were saying something about how I think Towson just has a really solid like social media following perhaps. And maybe that's what attributes to it. Like you just give people a reason to care about you. But um, yeah, I'm just curious. Are, are you guys expecting a pretty big turnout for, for nationals? Like, is that a heavily spectated event as well? Or is it kind of like elite where it's like the, the teams and like, you know, the, the close relatives, if that. I think that uh, the fact that we're having it at Grand Valley this year is going to help with such a storied program. They're able to usually get a good fan base out, so I think it'll be a good location for it. They'll get some students out there and then obviously all of their friends and family. Um, But I think the main thing is that with it being nationals, you're going to get families and friends from all these different schools, and it's not just going to be, you know, a, a... a duel between two different teams where you might get a handful of fans, but not that much. So nationals is our biggest shot to get a huge fan base there. I mean, again, with mad city coming in with the streaming, I mean, you can couple that with, you know, the, the live views that we're getting or you guys are getting. So that might, uh, that might impact that too. And, and just, you know, breed more awareness for next year and, and maybe get more people wanting to just to check out a game where, where and when they can. Um, so Dominic uh, Borgia, he asks, he has two questions. Um, I'm just going to breeze to his first one. How does the NCDA plan to go further? Uh, Jacob, we'll kind of cover that a little bit more towards the end. Um, and we also, I do want to point to the previous episode that we did last year with uh, with Felix and, and you, Kevin, to kind of just give more of a of like a, a broad overview of what the NCA is and what they do. Um, but I want to dive into this one that Tyler asked and. Um, before I do that again, Dominic asked another question. Why is the pinch style allowed? 
why are the courts so big and how do former members stay active after their four years is up? So I think when we're kind of reviewing this, uh, Felix, you said you might be able to answer both questions. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let me look at Tyler's question real quick. And just for the sake of those that may not have seen the, uh, the thread on the Facebook page. Okay. So he starts off, he says, okay, controversial, but there are a few questions in here. Is, are there plans to, at the end of the season, to at a minimum discuss making drastic changes to the NCDA in regards to format of play style that would make the NCDA much more similar to Elite in regards to court size, number of players on the team, and not taking away pinch, but adding more ball styles like no sting that would most likely bring more women into the NCDA? So, tough one, Felix. You're on the spot, though. Five yeah, and that's no problem. Um, so, we've talked about this in the past, adding more divisions and ball types and things like that. Um but honestly, it just comes down to having the capacity to do so. Um, we've, we did a, a short series last year where we did 6v6 tournaments. Um, we only ended up hosting one. Uh, we had one, another one scheduled, but it, for some reason, just fell through. And we, we got a new school into the NCD or two new schools into the NCDA because of that. Um, University of Wisconsin Eclair and then University of Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, they played in their first NCDA game um, at those events. And those are just kind of recruiting events where we played 6v6, uh, similar to Elite, but a little bit different. We still had soft boundaries. Uh, it was pinch. Um, uh, the, the no ricochet kills, one, one kill per throw, that type of thing. Right. Um, and, and the event was good, but we didn't really see the results that we wanted from it. Um, we had talked, we've talked about in the past, uh, possibly doing a foam or no sting division, or even just like a single tournament, um, featuring those two ball types. Uh, and there, there just really isn't a lot of interest, uh, for the current NCDA players, current NCDA players love pinch. Um, I know it's, it is difficult for other people to understand the same way that a lot of, um, of of NCDA players feel about no sting and foam. It's just, it's not anything that they've had enough exposure to. It's not anything that they particularly enjoy. And we truly believe that pinch is the best form of dodgeball and everyone's entitled to their opinion. You guys can, anybody who's listening, you can disagree with us, but the NCDA and our players truly believe that. And so we don't have any plans to, to make adjustments to our format to, to, um, to, adhere to elite style because we're not elite. Uh, we're a separate organization that's been around for a much longer period of time than elite. And we like what elite does. I, I love playing in it. I love that the fact that it has a, their on season is our, is the NCDA's off season allowing NCDA players to stay active all year round. I love that. I have no bad words to say about elite. It's just, it's just not our game. Right. And being forced into something like this or being expected to, to change our format because of another organization, that's not anything that we're interested in. Um, that's one thing that, that as one of the founding board members of USA Dodgeball, I made very clear that I don't want to have, I don't want USA Dodgeball to force other organizations to run a certain way. We want all the organizations to keep their autonomy, keep their ball type, keep their play style because that's what's important to them. They know their audience. They know how to grow their community. So let's just be the support for them. And so that's what we hope. And that's what we're asking for the rest of the dodgeball community. Allow us to continue and uh, develop these monsters who like pinch and can throw a, a pinch 
eight and a half inch rubber ball, 75 miles an hour from 30 feet away. That way, when we play you an elite, uh, we can show you what a fastball looks like. And um, another thing with, with dropping the roster size down to six, we lose a lot because right now we allow teams to bring up to 18 players per tournament. Um, those bottom six players who are not in the starting 12, they're going to sit a lot. And that's okay because they are still going to get to play games. But those bottom six, if we were to move to a 6v6, they will never see playing time. And with universities having so many different opportunities for clubs, Greek organizations, other club sports, internships, job opportunities, just studying uh, what you go to college for, uh, there's, there's a lot of potential to lose interest that way. So by keeping our roster sizes larger, we have the opportunity for retention. And that's really what we're after. Because if we were to drop down to 6v6, um, the 2014 Grand Valley team would have comprised of uh, Dylan Fettig, Kevin Bailey, Mark Trapetti, uh, Jalen Gardner, Trevor Norberg and maybe Austin. I don't know if he can count to 10, but um, <laughs> those, it would have been those, those six. And then the other guys who, who you may not know of, they would have never had playing time and they would have said, well, I'm not going to put in all this time, this effort, this money into this sport. If I'm not even going to get the opportunity to play against another team. So then they move on to something else. Then when Dylan, Kevin and Trevor all graduate, that team's left with bare bones and then they have to rebuild year after year. Um, one good thing about elite is there is no expiration date. You can play as long as you want, but with the NCDA, most of the time we are, we're looking at four, four and a half years. And so we have a lot of turnover every year. We lose 25% of our membership and with teams losing, losing 25% of their, their own teams, you have to make sure you have a good foundation in place so that way you'll be strong for the next year. We've seen programs fall apart because of big graduating classes. My alma mater is one of them. WKU is not an active team anymore because in 2016, they graduated, I think it was like 60% of their starting roster, and they didn't have anybody uh, that was able to step up and lead the team through a rebuilding year because a rebuilding year is really tough. It'll kill a lot of... Um, good programs and uh, I'm, I, I'm sad to say that my alma mater is not in the NCDA anymore and that kills me but um, so that's kind of why the NCDA is structured the way it is we were looking for retention we're looking for longevity and we truly 100% believe that pinch is the best form of dodgeball and again I don't care if anybody disagrees with me I don't I don't like Nosting, and I'll I'll say that to anyone. I don't I don't see the value in it, but it's because I don't have exposure to it. There's no Nosting leagues around me. I've played it three times at UDC. That's it. Um, I'm sure that if it were around me, I would I would grow to love it more. But but I can't say I've had those opportunities. Yes, I'm glad you you brought it back to like your belief that Pinch is the best. Um, I, I will say. No, like red point or red point 8.5 rubber is the best and there are people that will say foam is the best not no sting etc et and there are some crazies out there they'll say uh, cloth is the best it's just what you are used to what you've been exposed to and you made that comment that the ncda has been around a lot longer than elite and you know at first like oh some shade there but not really i mean you, you make a really valid point that 
you know, I'm going to pick on you, Kevin, because you're, you're, you're new. If you come into something that's been established for years, um, almost like half your age probably, and this format is set, it's been proven, and it's drawn over, you know, 800 players at a time, why would you fix it to cater to something else that's still, um, I want to say at least in its infancy, it's going on, what, like year six now, but something that's still kind of a new player into the sport. Um, you look at NDL, and one of their biggest failures was this totalitarian belief that you are going to fall in line and you're going to make our, you're going to be our feeder system. You're going to be like this, the surf type type of entity towards us and that did not go well at all that stunted growth that killed motivation and it drove a lot of people to just branch off and do their own thing so th- there's a lot of really good points that in your answer felix that i think you really covered um and i agree with you uh, from an old man standpoint like i've seen i've seen a lot of this play out and i know that when you try to establish dominance in your role and or, or your rule set um teams will just say no i don't, I don't want to do this anymore so i think um I think what we have now with NCDA and Elite kind of feeding into each other is great, and I think some people might take that a little too, too literally. Um, just because NCA is successful at feeding players into the Elite uh, dodgeball system doesn't mean 100% of them have to do it. Um, I highlighted this one statement or comment that Tyler made where he's basically saying with 12 players at a minimum to each team, each program could essentially have two Elite teams upon graduating. Well, we talked about earlier not every player that plays in NCDA wants to move on. Like they will do their four years and they'll get married or they'll find something else that, that suits their needs because they're just in it for the recreational aspects. So I, um, I hope that really answers a lot of those questions. Um, and Tyler has great points. And I, I think that actually is a, a perception of many people. Like I myself kind of had that belief of like, oh, hot dang, 800 NCDA players. That's 800 elite players coming in at some point. And it's just not necessarily the case. So um yeah i mean and and his comment about bringing in more women we've we really have tried um there was a study recently done and we do a lot of research for like club sports and student organizations in order to reach out to uh, the right students and there's a lot of of studies out there about women joining club sports at universities and it is really tough and especially in male dominated sports um 10 of the ncda is female but those 10% may not see as much playing time as their male counterpoints or counterparts because of the style of play in the NCDA. Um, some of them absolutely will. Um, Maddie Talbert from uh, Ohio State, she's been on the starting roster for Ohio State for four years because she is an amazing catcher. And you're not going to – the Becca Chappelle's and – um, Maddie Talbert's of the world, those are a dime a dozen. Yeah, we, don't, we don't get those every, every day in the NCDA and keeping, keeping women in the NCDA is really tough. You have to find people like Cassie Weaver, who was the first Kent or Kent state player who was a captain. Uh, there's a female. She, she did an amazing job with her team. She led her team to uh, a lot of great victories, but the, those players unfortunately are a dime a dozen. You have to find people who are crazy enough to want to step on the court don't mind getting hit in the face and want to keep coming back time and time again, even though there are a lot of organ- other organizations on campus that, that would look better on a resume. Uh, a lot of Greek organizations, especially sororities, they pull a lot of women away um, that could be potentially interested in playing dodgeball. Um, and so time commitments, um, there were some recent studies showing that women on average take advantage of you know, internships at universities 
uh, like 200 times or 200% more than their male counterparts. And so women are, are there in college doing what they're supposed to in college and studying better, bettering themselves and uh, getting prepared for the real world. While there are some guys who are throwing balls at each other, which I mean, (laughs) it's not necessarily the worst thing, but it's just, it's different. And that's the thing. Um, getting women to play a sport that they've never played before is tough. Uh, getting men to play a sport that they've never played before is, is tough as well, because then you run into the issues of, uh, if you were a star soccer player in high school, and then you come and you try to play dodgeball and you're the worst player on the court, you're not going to stick around. You're all of a sudden you go to the worst athlete, you become the worst athlete on the, on the court or on the field. A lot of players don't like that. And it's, it's true across the board. So it's just, it's, unfortunately, those are, those are things that we have to tackle every, every year with the NCDA, but it's working. We've, we've continued to grow year after year. We get more members year after year and, um, we really are seeing our reach expand. Yeah. That's, uh, I wonder if that's going to change again, the, the perception that we out here in the on the Southwest and West coast that aren't, you know, as fortunate to be part of the NCDA. I wonder if that's going to change our whole perspective of it. Because again, from the outside looking in, we see a massive pool of players. We see a system that has existed since 2005 and we see all these amazing things coming out of you guys. So it's like, well, why doesn't it just continue and, and conform to what we think is the final stop? And, um, I hope people are listening to that because I feel like that really answers a lot of questions, both asked and unasked as well. Just continuing to read into Tyler's um, statements. And he's obviously, I mean, he's not coming at this as, as like a negative um, stance. He, I think this is a genuine question a lot of people have that he's he's willing to ask. And I hope that your answers actually satisfy that and um, point the discussion more towards what can we do to help. And what, because again, the NCAA, you guys have your own problems and you guys have your own solutions for those. Um, and that's just been tested over over the course of many years. But um, I wanted to just look over his uh, statements one more time. But I think you, I think you covered everything unless you, and, and feel free to chime in, Jacob and Kevin as well, if there's anything that uh, Felix might've missed. But um, I, think, I think that satisfies a lot of what he was pointing towards. Um, and it's weird I mean, I, if, if elite players are looking for ways to help the NCDA, if you know of a college play, a college student who is playing elite, get them to start a, a club at their school. Help them do that. Um, help re, re, by, reach out to us. Reach out yeah. to us. Let us know. Yeah, we're, we're happy to help. That's Jacob's entire job is helping people start clubs at their schools. Um, it's it's if, a complicated process. Like, if there's no – that's the one thing I wish people would understand is every school is very different. Um, it takes a lot. I mean, there's some schools that are that make it hard on you to really even get it done. There's some schools that make it very easy. Um, but yeah, I mean, we want to help. I mean, we, we we find a new we find a school every year that we find that we're like, why didn't we know about this sooner? And mm-hmm. there's always a way to make it better. I mean, just let us know. Yeah, yeah I mean, if and the if if you have a college student on your team in elite. There's, you're not losing anything by having them play in the NCDA. Our seasons are, are opposite. Um, there's you're a little bit. Of, you're only gaining from it. Yeah, they they will get full exposure all year long to dodgeball, consistent practice. Um, that's there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, 
the NCDA is one of the few places where you can have full legitimate practices two or three times a week with a full team seven months out of the year. You don't get that in a lot of elite teams. I know some elite teams are active all year round, but I know in the North, um, there are some players that show up at round one that haven't thrown a ball since nationals. <laughs> uh, yeah, God bless those. God bless those guys. That just yeah, they don't put the time in, and some of them thrive, and some of them you can tell like, hey, you, you look like you're a little rusty there. Right. Yeah, I. Uh, there's 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 quite a bit I wanted to cover uh, with you, Jacob, since you were on here about recruitment and about. Um, helping expand and kind of just show you like my perspective because we, we tried to do this last year by introducing you to some of the local locals here in, in Phoenix and um, man that, that could be a whole nother kind of worms that I do want to open but um, I do want to save that maybe for like another time especially like the recap if you guys are willing to kind of open that up and, and say okay this is the precap this is what was going into the, the nationals now that the nationals has happened now this is what we can do and this is what the outlook is moving forward and i think we can kind of touch up on some of the questions that we might have left out and also any follow-ups i think i saw a couple of uh, notifications pop up uh, while we're recording so yeah so there's um there's just a lot of themes that, that we kind of covered and, and danced around and, and touched on and um i, I definitely want to get into more of the like recruiting and, and give it its due, Jacob. But um, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll kind of move that towards the recap after the event has happened. Um, but before I do that, before we start to wrap up, I do want to just kind of give you guys uh, an open forum for any pertinent information that we should know about or may have glossed over or haven't covered. And uh, we'll start with you, Kevin, if there's anything last minute you wanted to, to say before we, we close. Um, I think that pretty much what sums it up is tune in to the Mad City mainstream media um, live stream that we're going to have on Sunday. I think that there's a lot of people that might be curious about the NCDA and they, they maybe haven't even seen what, what our league is looking like lately and maybe they haven't seen a game since 2014 or something. So it, it would be cool to have people tune in and really see how, how much we've developed over the years and see what our product is like these days. But Overall, I think Felix really summed it up well where, where we stand as a league, what our thoughts are on uh, the direction that we want to go. And I mean, look, what it comes down to is we all love dodgeball. We all want to see it succeed. And I think the main thing for me, and I think about this sometimes, I say it to different people when it comes up in conversation, but main thing for me is I, I just want to see the sport get to a place where I'm not good enough to even consider playing it. You know, I wanted to get as popular as basketball, as popular as football, where, uh, you know, every college in the country has a team and they're putting the games on television and all of that. And it's something where a player of the athletic skill of myself would not even consider trying out for a team because I'm not good enough. There's all these really great athletes that are choosing dodgeball as their sport and, I hope that, you know, the NCDA and and I'm confident that the NCDA is a big part of putting dodgeball in that direction and having that bright future that we all know and are confident that dodgeball can have. So, I mean, that's that's really my final thoughts. We're we're really excited about the future of the NCDA and we we have a pretty pretty specific plan of what what we see uh, in terms of the future. So. We're excited with where we're at and we're excited with where we're going. Awesome. 
and scary thought, man. I, I've seen what you're capable of, and the thought of you <laughs> feeling like you're not adequate to contend with the future athletes is. Uh, I'll be watching that safely from my couch. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> can't get injured anymore. But uh, well said, man. Um, how about you, Felix? I guess the main thing that I, I always try to stress is that more dodgeball is better dodgeball. Get out there, play different styles. Uh, I, I, I invite anyone to play in, in pinch divisions. Uh, try it out at nationals this year, wherever it's going to be. Um, I, I really want to see more people play it. And... Um, same goes for to, for the NCDA players that are going to be listening to this. Try foam, try no sting, try open, try everything you can because you never know what you're going to find. Um, in Columbus, for some reason, foam is huge. And I started playing foam about two years ago when, when I um, started getting more involved with the community rec centers here. And I've actually come to like it. And I'm not ashamed to say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's... Uh, it's just it's, it's about trying new things so um use use the time the opportunity you have while you're still healthy and and you're not pulling muscles when you're bending over to pick up balls like i am <laughs> to try new sports try new forms of dodgeball um do everything you can just to stay involved and watch the sport get to the point where kevin described just get as much as you can um yeah, that's funny because I, I, foam is growing on me rapidly. I Like you, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it after all the crap I've been talking about it. But um, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, yeah. if you're playing dodgeball, it's it's not a bad day. Um, how about you it's fun. Up? Yeah, it's, it's, it's always going to be fun. Um, still dodgeball. That's all it comes down to. It's still dodgeball. It's fun. Exactly. Jacob, how about you? Oh, Any, uh, last thoughts? <laughs> I mean, these guys pretty much covered it. But, I mean, man, it's just it's a good time. I mean, I still, <clears throat> I love Elite, and I love the guys I play with. I mean, but it's still, still some of my favorite memories from college all together, and I was in a bunch of different things, a fraternity, uh, multiple different clubs. I mean, my big thing still was the competitiveness of it. So, I mean, I'm really, Kevin really hit it on the head. I mean, it, I would love to see it grow to a point where I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'd rather sit on my couch and watch them play. So, I really, it, uh, these guys really said it very well. I mean, it's it's really a testament to what we have now. So I really love to see it get to a point where, yeah, it's, it's mainstream. Nice. Awesome. Well, I saved the most pressing question for last. Um, just, I think it's the theme of this year. Thank you, Sean Anderson and Sergio Leone, but, um, <laughs> team taco or team pizza, Jacob, uh, you're up. Yeah, you know what? I'm just glad you prepped me for this question or else I'd be stuck on it for like 20 minutes. I'm gonna have to go with team taco. Oh, are, we going, are we talking about Taco Fall or are we just talking Taco? Just do you prefer tacos over pizza? Oh, okay. Yeah, Team Taco. Wow. I think Taco's winning. I don't know who's if uh, you're keeping track of this score, Sergio, but um, we have to start keeping some stats because uh, it's, it's been Team Taco dominant for the past couple of recaps. Um, how about you, Felix? Team Taco or Team Pizza? Pizza all the way. There we go. All the way. There we go. I, will, uh, I don't care what kind of pizza it is. Brooklyn style, deep dish, whatever. Just give it to me. Combo breaker. Okay, thank God. Streak is over. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Kevin? Taco or pizza? I will go uh, pizza. Shout out to Sergio and Sean, whoever came up with this. The NCDA formally uh, thanks you for that. <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm going to listen to the end of every single episode now, even if I don't listen to the whole thing, just to find out what side everyone's on. 
We gotta know. Uh, I think we'll we'll tally them up, and by the end of the year, we'll we'll announce the winner. And uh, aren't there guess, jerseys or something for this too? I think Sean created some jerseys that were taco ridden, and uh, I remember seeing that. Yeah, if Team Taco wins, um, Sean, if you're listening, I'll, I'll I'll owe you something if Team Taco wins. Just because I think you you and Sergio started this, so I'll figure out what to do with Sergio, but um, make a game out of it. But um, guys, awesome! Thank you so much for for giving me your time, and, and Jacob, thank you so much for initially reaching out to me uh, in the past and, and putting this together, man. I, I think um, I'm more jazzed for the NCAA, NCDA than I've ever been, and I I would like to think I knew the most about it just from following you guys from you know you know the the Southwest, just pining for the day where we'll have that here, and definitely want to go into how to make it happen with you um, in the recap or in a, for a future episode, but. Um, yeah, this, I think this was a great episode. I think you guys covered a lot. Um, I hope people are hyped for the event. I hope people watch and tune in and just see what you guys are about. And um, if it comes anywhere near to what you guys have discussed, it's going to be awesome. So uh, thank you guys so much. Hey, thank you, Steve. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Everyone, make sure you tune in on Sunday. For sure. Don't miss it. Alrighty, so that was a pretty thorough and I want to say comprehensive precap um, of the NCDA uh, championships that's coming up, uh, I think within a couple of days, depending on the release of this episode. And uh, definitely wanted to spend some more time delving into the NCDA. I know I kind of did that with uh, Rebecca when I interviewed her a couple episodes ago and definitely wanted to kind of build off of the episode that I recorded last year with Felix and, uh, and Kevin. And guys, thank you so much for for hopping on and lending your time and providing more insights. Um, I don't think I've ever been more so um, excited or psyched for an NCDA event as I have now. And I'm definitely doing my best to, to tune in when I can uh, while I'm out playing uh, Army. Um, I'm really bummed I actually won't be able to watch the Mad City stream because it, it just sounds like it kind of echoes the good old days when I was watching Fox Sports Network uh, clips of the NCDA back in 2007 and 2008 and just wondering, when is dodgeball going to have its time? Like, when are we going to see that on a mainstream level? And um, I think with Mad City and I think with some of the movements that we've all been making, um, I think we're just getting that much closer. And um, I really want to see how uh, some of these teams play out. Like, I want to know if Towson's going to take over. I want to know if, if uh, Grand Rapids is going to continue establishing their dynasty, all puns intended. And, uh, yeah, I, just, I can't wait to see how it plays out, even if I'm catching up on Sunday nights. Um Anyway, if you're still listening, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you all for the comments and the questions that you submitted. Um, if we didn't get to them this go around, we definitely will do the recap. So if you have following questions that came up as a result, please feel free to post them. Don't wait for me to, to put the call in. I will definitely get to them um, as they come by. And uh, for those of you that are listening that are traveling to the championships, are going to play in the championships, good luck, travel safe. And I cannot wait to hear about um, how you guys do. So without further ado, have a great rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Do you like me, my, uh, my clean, clean rating? That is, is disgusting. That is did he, going, Kevin, that's going in the bloopers. <laughs> Kevin, did you take your phone into the bathroom with you? No. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> disgusting. Awesome. <laughs>